Sean Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how is the summer treating you? It's good. How about you? You know, it's been good. Uh, Definitely getting into the heat locker, if you will, here in the next uh, probably month or two. It's probably going to be hot and stay hot for a while. Are you ready for this? No. No? <laughs> just just a flat no. <laughs> no. Not I interested. I'm waiting for fall. You got to go through this in order to get to fall. So I know. I know that's tis your season. Yeah. Everywhere from like 90s to like heat index of like 110. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's miserable. It is. And the humidity level has been pretty intense, I guess would probably be the best way to say that. And the humidity part of it is what I really loathe. It's just like you're dying out there especially in the shop base we have fans in there for the guys but once it gets so hot you know i'll be out there and it's just you're melting it's like being in the oven and uh definitely takes its toll so um how does that affect a technician how do you think that affects a technician i was actually just about to ask you i know that there are certain industries Mm -hmm. where when it gets really really hot they will actually try to get there early and mm-hmm. begin work and then they try to wrap up when it's just the heat of the day yeah. and then if they have any loose ends then they'll come back in mm-hmm. the evening is that something that technicians do not for the most part so you guys just brave it well you know we are inside the building which does i mean you're not having that thermo energy that's just baking on you you just it's hot um we do do the fans and you know as much as possible I'd love to say we had air conditioning facilities, and maybe at some point we will. But for right now, it's just one of those things that we have to just kind of push through it, if you will. The guys do try and get there fairly early, um, but of course we're working on hot cars as well. So a lot of times when a you know car comes in for service or whatever, it's at 210 degrees, give or take uh, the regulated cooling system. So. Um, as well as there's times where the vehicle needs to be hot or needs to be under those conditions. So I have to recreate whatever the normal driving conditions are of that vehicle. And so a lot of times that has to do with it being just sultry hot outside and uh, all the funness that comes along with that. So we do try and book a lot of our bigger, heavier stuff early in the morning, typically try and let the cars cool down overnight if we can. And then our quick in and out service, you know, oil changes and whatnot, we do the very best we can. I had a a customer that got pretty upset with this actually the other day. She, um, we didn't set the expectation correctly is what I think is is the uh, mindset. There's a lot of quick lubes showing up here in town, which is fine. I mean, that's better than not having an oil change most of the time unless they do something wrong during the service. But um Essentially, that's why she was upset with us. It took us about 20 or 25 minutes to do an oil change for her. And I thought we would elaborate a little bit about that this morning and basically differentiate what it is to have a you know real seasoned technician do your maintenance services versus a quick change. Have you ever done the quick change thing at all, Sarah? I have not. Oh, you have not? Mm-mm. So a lot of them out there will advertise like stay in your car um, you know, 10 minutes or less or whatever. And that's just not, how do I put this lightly or not lightly? It's not a good service in my opinion. It's better than not having service. So I'm not saying if you don't, you know, I've got a, a good friend of mine that runs a quick, 
a quick uh, change oil service place up kind of in central Missouri a little bit, and he does a great job. I'm not downplaying at all, but his technicians are not the same technicians that are doing the, the services that we have. And a lot of folks out there probably think, oh, a monkey can change oil and whatnot. And to a certain degree, you're you're you know you're right. It's not an overly difficult. It is tougher than it used to be. But the difference of what we do and the reason we spend a little more time on it is we feel that that is a time to get a good evaluation and a look at your vehicle. Where if you're doing it in ten minutes, there's things that you're not aware of, and you're going to have to drive it until failure before you find those problems. Does that make any sense, Sarah? Am I crazy thinking so, that? Whenever you take your vehicle to a quick loop, mm-hmm. do they also check all of your other fluids, or are they simply <clears throat> just changing your oil and then getting you out the door? So they're focused, in my opinion, on any of the very quick, easy services that can be done. So I'm, I can't say a blanket statement. I've never worked at a quick lube by no means. Um, but they're only concerned what they can do in 10 minutes, basically. Mm-hmm. So if it's easy to check your air filter or belt or other fluids to your question, absolutely. I'm sure they do. But there's a lot of vehicles, and I know this from my time in the service bays, that if the belt is hard to get to or the air filter is hard to get to, Nobody ever checks that because they don't have the time. And some of these air filters, as goofy as this sounds, some of them are wide open and super easy. Bam, check it, replace it, easy peasy. Some of them are not. Some of them, I mean, the six liter power stroke is one that takes almost an hour to change that air filter. Um, The old, uh, there's not a bunch out there anymore, but the Chevy Venture vans, um, when I was mainline tech, those were everywhere. Those are eight-tenths of an hour to even check check the air filter, let alone replace it and get everything bolted back up. And then over the years of me spending time in the service bays, I have seen where they're rushing so fast and they don't do any diagnostic or check engine lights. So if something goes wrong with anything they did, most quick changes have to sublet that out because they don't have the capable technicians to deal with whatever happened. And so for years, I mean, almost over over two decades at this point, I can tell you many stories where essentially I've had to fix the car by reassembling the airbox correctly after they've been to a quick change place somewhere else. And I'm not trying to just pick on quick change places, but I was, you know, when we have something, when we have a problem or somebody that's not quite happy with the service, Hey, I got to figure out why and how that happened. And really, again, we didn't set the expectation that this is not a quick change service. We're here to make sure that we spend the necessary time and whatever that is. I'm not talking two, three hours by any means, but I thought 20 to 25 minutes is more than adequate. I know as much of the old oil that was contaminated as possible drained out of that engine I didn't just get the bulk of it and throw the plug back in there and then contaminate the new oil with the oil that I didn't allow time to drain out. I know that we cleaned and lubed the filter area. I know we did a full digital vehicle inspection to make sure that that, those folks were as informed about their car as I possibly could in 25 minutes or so versus 
whatever the easy money, if you will, the easy money things, you know, oh, yeah, maybe we could do, you know, a partial training service or sell you an air filter, cabin air filter. They're doing by nature of the business, whatever's gravy or whatever's easy in the tech world. Have you ever heard of that term? I got some gravy. Is that just a tech thing? So in the tech world, when it's an easy job, we call it gravy. That's the gravy on the side because everything else is super difficult and hard and hot. Mm -hmm. And so when you get a nice, easy job once in a while, a lot of techs will call, I got the gravy. So I know that's a a weird slang term, but that's just how the... uh, the the tech world has been my entire career, if you will. And there's some other slang terms, but we probably shouldn't discuss them yeah, here on the radio. Yeah, please don't make me do the dump profanity button over <laughs> no, there. No, 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 no. Sometimes that's what it takes, but more often than not, you know, as long as you have the right tool, the right equipment, the right training, you're going to be in good shape. But uh, am I am I making a mountain out of a molehill with this 10-minute oil change thing where the lady got upset with us? or Well... In my personal experience, I would much rather have somebody take the time on my vehicle mm-hmm. because it's my second largest investment yeah. that I'm making. My house is my first, but sure. I'm making active payments on my vehicle. I know a lot of people are out there that are doing that, mm-hmm. or even if they're not making a payment on their vehicle, they have a sentimental value oh, with yeah. it, or they've had it paid off for years mm-hmm. now, and they're wanting to make sure that they're getting the most life out of their yeah. vehicle. That's kind of that's kind of what you guys are in the business oh, of yeah. doing, just making sure that the vehicle that you are driving can make it from point A to point B for as long as yes. possible. And then sometimes even longer. You know, I talk about my sister from time to time. Um, her last... I know her, her previous vehicle, I think she drove it for 11 years. I think she had like a four-year note on it. So many years of driving with no payments. Now we did, I think I did the math, anywhere from 1500 to 3000 a year. And sub-years, sub excuse me, that was more because we'd put struts on the vehicle or it would need a significant brake job or, you know, God forbid there was a repair. I, I remember one time her AC went out. And so I did a fairly hefty repair on that. But you could hang meat in that car. I mean, it was, that AC system functioned fantastic. But not only did she drive it for 11 years and, and, you know, several years paid off, she was able to sell it when she was buying a new car. And we had rehabbed another vehicle for her. She drove it for several years, was able to sell it. So when you sell a vehicle in the state of Missouri, I think even a vehicle, boat, Uh, I'm assuming anything you pay property tax on that is licensed to drive on the road or water, you get to deduct that from the sales tax you pay on the new vehicle. So that really worked out good. She was able to sell two vehicles and get into a new one. But uh, Sarah and I need to step into our first break. We're going to pick it up on the other side. For complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I suppose while we were on break, I was kind of thinking about this. Do you focus on value very much or is it just the lowest price? No, definitely value. I think the older I get, the more I understand or appreciate, probably appreciate value better. You know, uh, and it wasn't that, you know, the cheapest price was ever like what I was focused on, but I think at points in your life when that's all you got, that's all you got, right? Mm -hmm. You You don't have much options to go for a little more value. So um, I don't want to beat this 10-minute oil change thing to death by no means, but it really kind of made me start asking some questions, you know. Um, 
not upset that the lady was upset at all. If that's what her expectation was, we should have done a better job communicating and making sure we understood what her expectation was, as well as, you know, we've talked many times about, you know, playing the role, not playing the role, but being an active customer, if you will, instead of just a passive where you just, you know, like expect this, but you don't share that information and all that. Like, hey, I'm on a super tight time crunch. Can you guys make this happen? And that may have changed some of our approach a little bit. Um, you know, if somebody comes in and says, hey, just drop the oil and, and get me out of here as quick as possible. I don't recommend that by no means, because when you drive out and and something happens, I don't want you to say, oh, well, why didn't you guys look at that? You know, I want to have been a good ambassador of the condition of your vehicle in a timely manner. You know, clearly it's more than 10 minutes, but it's not like I had a two hours or anything like that. Um, we were able to get it in, get things taken care of and move on. But I would much rather, and I don't know how to, I don't want to say this in like any kind of a confrontational manner, but... We have some amazing folks that depend on us for that good, comprehensive evaluation. You know, maybe we see the car two to four times a year. And I want to make sure that we are making the customer that owns that asset as informed as possible. And I really don't sacrifice our processes and procedures because those have been built over the last 20, 30, 40 years, even before I was part of the company. And... That is something that I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to be polite here, but if the 10 minute oil change is what you're after, then you need to find a 10 minute oil change place or a quick lube. That's not what A1 Custom Car Care does. We do a very comprehensive evaluation of the car, whether it's an oil change or an engine job. I don't want to put an engine in a car if the rear differential is bad. So we're going to do a good evaluation of the vehicle before we start in investing in that vehicle and do any repairs, like I said, from oil changes to engines. And that way, as you drive away, you have a complete or as, as much as we can put it out there, a completely repaired vehicle that you have peace of mind that you made that investment in. And if you want to drive it to Tennessee, you know what you're driving to Tennessee versus, <clears throat> excuse me, getting most of the way there and then being broke down and at the mercy of where and whoever you can get to help you during your breakdown. Am I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but no, it's I, just what makes sense to me. I would much rather somebody take an extra 10 minutes because those those quick changes, those are what, 10 minutes or less. So, Pretty much. And you had them for like 20 minutes. Yep. So I'd rather you just take the extra 10 minutes to ensure that my vehicle is going to be safe on the road, that there's no um, red flags sure. or even some yellow warnings that I need to kind of keep my eye out open for. So I, I definitely think that that's important. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather you guys take that 10 minutes and really look over my vehicle than potentially miss something. And then the vehicle that I'm making $310 yeah. monthly payments on is all of a sudden in the shop with a thousand dollar repair. Absolutely. I mean, that's where my, my mind goes. And I realize not everybody's mind goes there. If you guys have some insights or see this differently, I would love them to be able to Send us the feedback and we'll air it out next week when we when we do the show on Saturday. So, you know, if you guys see it differently, please let us know. But that's where my mind goes, especially, 
you know, as the investment goes up drastically over the last five years, holy smokes, replacing a vehicle that potentially could have stayed on the road another two, three, even a year. Um, you know, if you could have got another year out of your vehicle by heading off a major problem before it just catastrophically gave up and said, nope, no more miles for you on this particular system. It just really is where my mind goes all the time, as well as not always am I finding problems when I look over these vehicles. A lot of times I'm like, man, you guys are in great shape and it's good peace of mind. You know, typically what we do during that time is I'm going to do a good brake evaluation to the best I can without test driving or removing the wheels. If you have a brake complaint, now there is more in-depth um, checkout and testing that I can do to make sure we get to the bottom of it. But if you're not having any concerns, I just want to give a good visual inspection. A lot of times, especially with the way the new body styles are made on a lot of the SUVs and cars, even some trucks, but a lot of times you cannot see the inner portion of the tread. And I find a tremendous amount of tires that are showing cords. And for anybody that doesn't know what a cord is in a tire is that's a typically in today's age, a steel belted. They did have some nylon ones. It's at different points throughout history, but most of them now are steel belted radial. And once you start seeing the cords on a vehicle, I can't tell you how many I've found over the years and brought the customer out and said, hey, uh, just need to make sure you know what's going on. And I want to show you that you have cords hanging out the inside of these tires, typically due to an alignment or a front end wear, uh, worn part issue that the customer had no idea. And they were going to either go on a trip or they drive out on the interstate. Uh, even a blowout here in town is a big deal to handle, not to mention the collateral damage that it does to the vehicle. Uh, you know, that's something that is going to be part of that evaluation as well as, you know, looking over the belts, the hoses, the filters, the fluids, um, any kind of leaks that's going on under a car. There's times where I'll rack a car up and it's pouring coolant and the customer had no idea. Now we've talked in the past about engine overheats and I need to probably touch base on it for just a brief moment now that back in the day there were all the old commercials and typically it was an old pickup of some kind. You'd see the hardworking folks, you know, pull over and open the hood and the steam goes everywhere. They would get some water from somewhere and get it in there and then continue on their uh, normal trek and no harm, no foul. Well, back in the day, those were cast engine blocks, cast cylinder heads. They were drastically overbuilt in comparison to what it is we have today. Now, things have changed, technology's changed, and things that are, you know, constructing an engine have very much changed. And most of it is all aluminum with torque-to-yield bolts. And what is a torque-to-yield bolt? That's basically, oh, it's a one-time use bolt. And as you do the installation, when you're assembling the engine, you put the new bolts in, you clean everything obviously very well, you get your machine shop service done, you do the very best job you can to make sure as you assemble that vehicle, it is clean and ready to go back together and true. Then you put a multi-layer steel gasket on there. You torque the bolts down in a crazy sequence. So I just assembled a, a V6 in a Dodge here recently. 
It is a 3.6 Pentastar, and I'll give you a kind of a rundown of the torque sequence. So new bolts, new heads, uh, new gaskets, obviously. So the first run, and there was eight bolts on this particular cylinder head per side, so 16 in total. You go 22 foot-pounds in a sequence, and it must be the right sequence. You go 33 foot-pounds in that same sequence. You go 70 degrees, and then you do 50 degrees. Well, you might think that you were done, but no, you're not. You back all of those cylinder heads off, which it's not easy doing this inside the vehicle. You pull all the tension off all the bolts again. You do 22 degrees. You do 33 degrees. I'm sorry, 22 foot-pounds, 33 foot-pounds. Then you do 70 degrees on the head bolts, and then an additional 70 degrees. And you basically run the clamping load of that bolt to max clamping load, or or just shy of that, if you will. And then the, the heads are torqued on correctly. And you do that on both sets of cylinder heads. So anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, just tightening the bolts up to protect the long-term life to the best of our ability of the cylinder head job that we're doing. So I tell you all that story to emphasize why, and I see it at this point on a weekly basis, at least at one of our stores, but if not every single week at many of our stores where folks get into an overheat issue, they don't recognize it quick enough, or they don't understand that, hey, if I drive this at all, During the overheat, and I don't get the vehicle shut down in a timely manner, and I want you to get to a safe area, by the way, you will ruin the engine. And engines on late model vehicles, I'm going to say anything probably from 05 to present, even in a reman, and again, we don't do a lot of used um, engine installations. We do do some over the years, depending on the, the situation. They're anywhere on the low end probably around 4800 bucks on up to the highest gas one that I've seen in a while was around 12000 And then, God forbid, we get into a diesel situation. Uh, I think the most expensive diesel engine I ever had or was part of doing was about 30 something thousand, like 33000 <clears throat> So I bring all that up because I continue to have these discussions, and that's a lot what feeds what we talk about here on the show is awareness more than anything. You know, most folks think, oh, you got, you want to talk about how great A1 is. I believe we absolutely are. But I'd much rather share some experience and information with you so you don't have to come see us for an engine. I really want you to get as many trouble-free miles out of your vehicle as possible. And awareness, in my experience, is about the only way to do it. We're down at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to 1041 Springfield's Talk, KSGF. We'll be right back. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I've been on my soapbox this morning, Sarah. Yeah, I let you. Yeah, I appreciate it, for sure. Sometimes you got to just rant, you know? Well... It's like a therapy session. A little bit. Yeah. You know, I try and keep it real. I hope everybody out there, you know, whether we're having a good day, a bad day, a good week, bad week, whatever, I'm pretty much going to tell you what we're dealing with in real time, if you will. But uh, you got some kind of a dashboard warning light. Yes. uh, So you're not an iPhone kind of guy, are you? I am not. Okay. So this is for the iPhone users out there. Mm. Now, my first question for you is, throughout your years as a technician, Mm -hmm. have... Has there been more 
warning lights and bells and whistles kind of installed and then it pops up and you're like i don't even know what that is to be honest absolutely i can think of the last time it happened it was actually on my excursion and i hadn't owned it very long Mm -hmm. and a new light came on that i had never seen so when i got into the business there was probably like less than six there was the red brake light the abs light check engine light of course the um the low tire light, the the mm-hmm. uh, tire pressure monitor system started to be an issue, um, and then the airbag light. So it was pretty simple. I bet there's, I don't know if I had to guess, 70 different lights out there now. So most of them I know, but this one, um, we had gone through a crazy rainstorm on the way to St. Louis, and my air filter I mean, it was like crazy rain Mm -hmm. had sucked up a bunch of water and it the truck was still running great. That's the thing I love about a seven, three turbo diesel. Oh man, that thing just runs no matter what. But, uh, on this one, it had a light come on that said, Hey, your air filters plugged up. And I had never seen that before. And it wasn't that I had a nasty air filter, but it was waterlogged because of the torrential crazy downpour that we had. So uh, I think the old Google machine uh, was the one that was able to tell me what that light was. Uh, so definitely, even when I bought this new new to us truck, I sat down and read the owner's manual. Uh-huh. Does that make me an old man? No. If I sit down and read the owner's manual? No, because I, I did that did for you? a portion of my vehicle. Okay. Yeah. So as I was doing it, I'm like, I bet nobody ever reads the owner's manual. But I went line by line, page by page. I'm extremely dyslexic. So me sitting down and reading anything, it's got to be important. Um, for some reason, service information doesn't seem to irritate me as bad as uh, just reading a book, if you will. It has to be very intentful information for me to sit down and read as goofy as that sounds. But uh, I did sit in my little easy chair with the kid. And, Do you, you have know. your glasses on no, and your slippers? I'm, I'm not there yet. My vision <laughs> is still really good. It's my hearing that I have damaged over the years from chop saw and air hammer and just everything. I didn't take good enough uh, precautions with PPE equipment, which my young guys, I give them the old man speech all the time that, you know, when you're older, you're going to regret that. Here's the safety glasses, the earplugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Definitely uh, not the glasses yet, but I will be there soon. <laughs> You'll so. get there one of these days. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. you see mine. They're thick. <laughs> Very thick. <laughs> okay, so dashboard warning lights will be easier to understand with next iPhone updates. Oh. Yes. So So there's an app for that. Is, is that what you're telling me? So it's going to come with the latest update mm-hmm. for the iPhone. So Modern smartphones will now have the power to connect to satellites, reach people around the world, and finally tell you what that unknown dashboard (laughs) light means. They are actually going to be having something called the uh, visual lookup. It's going to be with the iOS 17, and it's going to be able to identify dashboard lights and exactly what it is, how serious it is. Do you need to get it into a Mm -hmm. shop immediately? And I just thought it was kind of neat because mm-hmm. kind of like you, there's a couple of lights that have popped up yeah. in in the past on my vehicle. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And that mm-hmm. doesn't make me a bad car owner. That no. is like, 
I don't know what that like little triangle red flashing mm-hmm. light means. Yep. So it's pretty interesting. So if you are an iPhone user, you'll be able to, to use this. So I believe that it is going to arrive on iPhones in September. And wow. it's going to be, you know, of course, a free upgrade for compatible phones. So there you have it. So as I kind of think about that, you know, I had a situation this last week, very nice lady. I think she had 30,000 miles on a late model, little small SUV, and she had been to the dealer for some things. I could tell whoever talked with her, they they scared her a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, do we need all this, blah, 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 what's going on? And then a little later, she stopped by a big box parts store and she had a check engine light come on. And I was really appreciative to this particular big box parts store. They couldn't, um, they couldn't get whatever was turning the check engine light on, whatever the code was. They couldn't get it out. And so instead of trying to sell her parts, which is what typically just drives me over the edge, is that a parts store is in the business selling parts, and I don't begrudge them for it. But they give you this huge list of things, and it scares the bejesus out of the folks. And hopefully the folks are known enough not to just start buying all those doggone parts because a lot of times we fix things without a part. You know, obviously I do put a lot of parts on over the years, but I need to get to the bottom of what's going on with this part. So we did a basic checkout for her and said, hey, the way to figure out what the root cause of this is going to take some testing time. That is the most important thing and the most vital thing, if you will, that, and the most difficult thing that we do all day long is be correct. And if it was just as easy as pulling a code and throwing a part on there, you probably have, if I had to guess, a 60% success rate. So it is better than 50%. But if anybody's been buying parts in the last five years, say, being wrong with a part 40% of the time will get very expensive very quickly. And more often than not, the whatever the charge is, whether we do it, somebody else does it, whoever's capable of doing the down and dirty testing that needs to be done as a necessity will save you money in the long run because you're not hanging parts on there or... And this is the other thing that the last five years has really shown me. The first 15 years I was in this business, you could buy a cheap part and it would work. Now you can barely buy a part from the dealer and have a 100% success rate that that part is going to be a functional part for a long time. So the aftermarket is really struggling right now. And I'm just, I'm not trying to pick on them by no means. But the amount of poor and inferior quality aftermarket parts on very complex vehicles that I see causing more problems than they had before is probably a 90% um, event. And what I mean by that is you hang a part on there. It doesn't fix it. So then you start hanging more parts on there. But the root cause, maybe you were right. Maybe you did diagnose the right part as the problem. And you bought some aftermarket part from big box store, from whoever, wherever. And then you either have the same problem. So you think, oh, and new part's good. It can't be that problem. Or you have a whole different problem because this part's broke or built in another inferior way. It just is driving me up a wall. So... The testing time, whoever does it, is well worth the investment. 
And that's my humble opinion. So we're going to step into another break. Sarah and I will be back to wrap this up in just a moment. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Nesson, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some Ford information. I, I do. You are there. a big Ford guy, right? I am. I do like my Fords. Okay. Absolutely. So I read through this entire article and mm-hmm. I figured I'd just go ahead and read through it and then... I would see what you thought. Okay. So the article is from Car and Driver. 2023 Ford F-150 Lightning base price drops by roughly $10,000. So Ford is yet again adjusting the pricing for the F-150 Lightning, but this time the automaker is cutting prices instead of raising them. After adding $4,000 to the electric truck's base price in March, with Ford citing supply chain issues and higher material costs, the company is now slashing prices between six to $10,000 across the lineup for the remaining 2023 model year Lightning pickups. The Workhorse Pro model now costs $51,990, down from $61,969 earlier this year. Still, that's a sizable amount, more than the original base MSRP of $41,769 from 2022. Stepping up to the XLT will now cost $56,990, a decline of 9479 while the Lariat opens at 71990 a roughly $7,000 decrease. Extended range versions of the XLT and Lariat start at 71990 and 79490 respectively, each around 8500 less. Ford says the price drops are the result of greater capacity at the Ford River Rogue factory where the truck is being built, with the increasing scale of production driving down costs per unit. Ford also says the price of the raw materials used to build batteries have dropped. The Rogue Electric Vehicle Center is closed temporarily as Ford implements upgrades that should allow the factory to churn out over 150,000 trucks annually starting this fall. Sounds like some smoke and mirrors to me. That's what I thought, too. What, was it? Okay. <laughs> no, it really was. Uh, just like, you know, when the government came out and said, hey, we're going to give these tax credits, a lot of them, and I don't recall whether Ford did it, but I'm going to assume they probably did. They jacked the truck up, whatever that mm-hmm. tax credit was. Yes. And then the government said, hey, psych, uh, fake you out here. We're not giving you the tax credit. So this is their way to go back to what it was before. Right. And that drives me nuts. That's kind of a crummy move. I realize as a business, they have to make profit in order to stay open. I get that. And I support them on that because I need Ford to stay afloat, by the way. Um, But it just really, you know, I know another company that's dealing a big company. They're not a auto manufacturer, but they deal in batteries, lithium batteries for diagnostic and test equipment that I use quite often. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're a huge company, not probably as big as Ford, but I mean, they're up there, globally traded. They're a public uh, company, publicly traded company. They can't get me the batteries for my test equipment that I need. And so if they're that big of a company, I guarantee Ford's having a similar issue. Not to mention, and I cannot stress this enough, the technology for those EV vehicles is still a long way from being mainstream and um, feasible or practical. Practical would probably be a better word. I'm not saying you couldn't have one, but where I'm driving vehicles that are 
25 and 30 years old and maybe even more than that at this point. And when something happens, I can recondition them, refurbish, mechanically restore them, if you will, and continue to drive them for many more years and many more thousands of miles. The technology isn't here on these vehicles yet. You know, you get um, a battery, I think, in some of the late model GMs, you know, the car was $19,000 new. The batteries sometimes are $17,000 to put a battery in a car that's probably worth 5,000 bucks. And it just practically doesn't make a doggone bit of sense to me. Do you think that's crazy? Well, and I was also kind of curious as to what their actual sales response has been to these mm-hmm. vehicles. Are they selling as many as they thought that they would? I know that the the F-150 Lightning has been plagued from the beginning yes. because the Ford factory up up north, I can't remember where exactly, they had to shut down for like months Months because their entire stockpile mm-hmm. of Ford F-150 Lightnings, and you probably remember this. Oh, yeah. I think it was sometime in February or March. Mm-hmm. They exploded yep. because somebody was not properly installing them correctly. Yep. Something was going wrong and it caught fire to so many of them that they just had to completely, they had to do an investigation. Mm-hmm. They had to retrain a lot of their workers, and then they had to figure out what exactly happened. Yep. I think shortly thereafter, uh, it was not a Ford plant, but there was a battery manufacturing plant that did uh, the lithium batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was someplace up north, I want to say Wisconsin, Indiana, somewhere in there. It caught fire, and when a lithium battery catches fire, it's very caustic of what it puts out in the air. And the temperature and the way that it burns, we can't deal with it in the same manner as we could with firefighting and suppression techniques. So they just had to let that plant burn. And, I mean, that's that's essentially what you're parking in your garage. I'm not like a fear person by no means, but I've owned enough lithium pieces of power equipment, and I'm a big fan of it. You know, you talk about Milwaukee and DeWalt and even Snap-on with some of their lithium battery technology. It's amazing. And I'm not just saying that. That literally changed how I do automotive repair was the technology in lithium. So I'm not saying <clears throat> don't use it or it's not a viable option. It, it's, it revolutionized the cordless power tool market along with what it's doing to the automotive market. But I have had some batteries that have overheated or gotten hot or exploded or took off like a rocket ship. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Now, some of these batteries were ordered on the internet from overseas. And so I'm sure the construction procedures and the quality control was not what it should have been. But the risk is still there. And if we get in a situation where um, the vehicle gets flooded, the vehicle gets in an accident, um, it just has an assembly or a, an engineering flaw in it, we are the end consumer on these vehicles. And so the manufacturer does a certain amount of testing, and if it gets through that testing... You and I, as the person that purchases that, continues the beta testing on those vehicles, as well as we fund that, by the way, because typically those repairs come out of our pocket. And so when you're buying a new technology, which is exactly what these are, 
you have to understand that you are now the guinea pig and you are being tested upon. How do you feel about that, Sarah? Does that give you the warm and fuzzy about signing on the dotted line for No, I don't like it. But I also am one of those people where I've gotten to the point now where I'm not going to go run out and buy the first Mm -hmm. brand new thing. I'm going to wait a couple of of years probably so they can hammer out all of those details Mm -hmm. and that way i'm not buying a dud and that goes for not only vehicles but that's kind of any piece of technology in my life so when those folding phones came out i'm a samsung android Uh person i thought oh that'll be so cool but i had the same thought as you is like okay i'm gonna wait a little bit and see how these first few generations of Mm -hmm. how that folding phone works and then I'm going to get interested in it. So I'm good with my old phone. I've had it a few years. It seems to do adequately. Um, but I'm going to let these other ones kind of see how they do. And then we'll see about moving into that. Market. I have a friend who actually has one of those. I know this is like off topic. No. here, But this kind of goes with your the point of waiting a few generations. Mm-hmm. So she actually had to have her phone repaired because one of the features, of course, is that you could literally fold mm-hmm. it up. Right. And it was a smartphone. Yeah. Well, it got stuck and the glass chipped where oh. it would fold. And so it was just like stuck in this like weird 90 degree oh, angle. No. Yeah. So I think she ended up getting it fixed. I don't know if she still has it or not, but that kind of just goes to show oh, you. Yeah. There, there's some growing pains. And, and I'm not saying that we are not opposed to it either. When we get into new services or new technology, we have to tool and train up for that because we know there's going to be some growing pains and issues along with whatever this new thing is that's coming out there. And that's really kind of a big part of my role at this point within the company is dealing with a lot of those new repair procedures, not only doing them the way the factory wants them, that's kind of the ground zero, if you will, at least in my opinion, is, all right, the factory says this is the repair procedure, but through my experience and, and training throughout the years, is there a better way? And I'm not saying that I come up with all the better ways, not at all. But inherently, when you have a um, pattern failure is what the industry refers to it quite often, we want to come up with some kind of a problem-solving solution because I don't want to have the same failure, say, and I'm going to pick on the four-cylinder Chevy platform, the 1.4, Eco, I'm sorry, EcoBoost, that's Ford, the 1.4 uh, engine, turbocharged engine that they put in a lot of their small cars and SUVs, about every 60,000 miles, it needs the engine resealed, it needs a new turbo, typically needs a new catalytic converter, and more often than not, a valve covering an intake gasket or an intake replacement. So that was engineered as a problem on those vehicles. We have come up with a way to relieve the crankcase pressure on those engines to prolong the life of those. None of that is in the GM service information, nor have they adopted any of these processes and procedures. But the problem-solving solutions is a big deal, and that is truly what we have to do to rectify some of these engineering designs and get you more miles out of your car than you would have gotten. That is really important. And that's the extra cool thing, in my opinion, that uh, I really, truly love to do is fix some of the engineered problems in these vehicles to make sure you have a good driving experience for a long, long time. I like that. That's, that's really, 
after 20 years of doing this for a living, that's really what still gets me to come to work every day is solving those problems. And unfortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, um, there's a lot of problems out there to solve. And anybody that solves problems, you can pretty much write your own ticket regardless of what your industry is. Do you ever run into any problems, Sarah? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. one of them is being at a show. Oh, we are. I know. Time We're flies. Done. Yeah. Time flies when you're ranting and yes. having fun. Soapbox. <laughs> well, if you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment for us, feel free to shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Justin. Hope you have a good rest of your weekend. I hope you do as well. Be safe. Bye.